Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of the of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would like... I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Brian. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian. Hi, Brian. Compulsive overeater. Uh, Yeah, so glad to be here. And it feels really good to be with people again. Got until 6.20. But I am going to stop early for questions, so maybe people can open their mouths and say something. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been about four years, four years and a bit. Um, my life was really chaotic before OA, and I've always been looking for this kind of community and family, and now i found it. Um, in fact, it was nice just sitting over there. It's been a while since I've gotten any hugs, and so even seeing somebody else get a hug just felt really nice, really, really nice, and congratulations on the chip takers and yeah, so I'll spend a few minutes, I guess, talking about what it used to be like, what happened, and what it's like now, and I hope I do a good job. <laughs> um, I, well, let me see. Uh, food was always my best friend, and it was always there for me. There was plenty of food around the house. Um, I'm a nice Jewish boy, and there's lots of food around the house, and food, and Love and matzo balls were always mixed up together. And if I had two matzo balls, then I was a good boy. If I had three matzo balls, I was a great boy. And so, and, and it really worked. I was also like a really anxious kid. I was always worried about other people and are you okay and can I help and um, can I help you finish those matzo balls? <laughs> so there's a lot of that going on. Um, as I was driving over here, I was remembering that I used to watch TV at night and used to help me with my anxiety and worry. And there was a movie that I used to watch a lot. Um, It seemed like there were certain movies that would be replayed over and over again. There's one movie called Sneakers with Robert Redford in the 90s that was always on TV all the time. And there was another one, uh, Dave, with Kevin Kline when he was the president. It's like a doppelganger. And there was this one scene when Kevin Kline, the actual regular guy, he was making food for his Secret Service bodyguard. I think it was Vin, Vin Rames. And he was making this massive sandwich for him. And I remember watching this scene and being like, I need a sandwich just like that. And so I would ask my mom to get certain ingredients so that I could make myself. And this kind of thing happened a lot in my life. I would, if something was on TV, I was like, I need that. And Sometimes it was alcohol, but more often than not, it was food, you know? And so, um, and I remember there was a few times where I'd make these big sandwiches. And in the movie, it was, you know, unrealistically big. And I remember there was one sequence. My, I'm allowed to say food. Food. I guess I say food. Okay. <laughs> string cheese! <laughs> I eat so, I've eaten so much string cheese. Um, uh, there was a sequence where there was a carrot, and in the movie... Kevin Klein was like having carrot shavings and putting the carrot shavings as like the last ingredient in the sandwich and then closing it up and giving it to him. 
it, the other character. And I thought, well, I don't have somebody I can make this sandwich for, but I can make it for myself. Um, and I would make food at night for myself. You know, when everyone else was asleep, I'd go into the kitchen and I would make these concoctions. And they weren't particularly appetizing, but I would eat it all. I remember there was times where I would be, I would kind of pass out on the sofa and then I think it was my dad would carry me from the sofa into my bedroom. Um, but I guess I was just using what was there. And um, I'm still anxious. I still worry a lot. I used to worry that my um, my palms would be sweaty and when you go and you meet new people, you have to shake hands and then and all these little things. And I didn't think it was okay to talk with anybody about it. Hence, I would go to food. Um, and I guess I had a fast metabolism between running around and just worrying. Sometimes I felt like worrying was my exercise. That I would just be anxious and worrying and fretting and thinking and worrying and ruminating. And I don't know. <laughs> so it was hard. And food was always there for me. I could always get food. I'm grateful that I had a family that, um, a nice middle class family. And so that I could get myself food if I ever wanted to. And I always got more than I needed. I, I would get as much as I wanted, not what I needed. And there was probably many, many years where I, it was only infrequent. It would, it would be unusual that I would actually feel real hunger. It was only in OA, actually, that I felt real hunger again. Prior to that, it was just, I would be hungry like here, you know, or I'd be hungry like here. <laughs> and people listening to this, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's even going to listen to this, but um, I'm, you know, I'm pointing to my, it was the head hunger or heart hunger or hungry in my neck and like my throat, like speaking. Maybe if I couldn't speak about something, I'd eat over it. But now I actually know what it feels like to feel, feel hunger, like in my stomach, which is nice. It's nice to feel present because I would eat so much that I wouldn't feel, and then I could go through my day and pretend like I'm okay. So, uh, and I kept looking for answers. I, in the kitchen, like I said, uh, stealing food, um, eating other people's food, and, but also there's all these other things that I didn't understand, like, how do you meet new people? How do you make friends? After, after leaving school and college, it was so hard to make new friends because in school everybody's in class together and you can just turn to somebody and say, hey, how's it going? But then in the real world, whatever that is, it was just hard to make new friends. So there's all these things I struggled with. Um, uh, and then I went back to school thinking that it would help me. So I got a graduate degree and I would, and I finished my first graduate degree and I thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to eat like a grown-up. I'm going to make friends. I'm going to get a white picket fence. Everybody's always talking about a white picket fence. and I. But I was still eating. And then I went and I got another graduate degree. And I thought that with my diploma, I would have everything figured out. And uh, it didn't work. I was still alone. And on paper, I looked like I knew what I was talking about. <clears throat> but the reality is I was still so scared to ask people, like, how do I start saving for retirement? Or how do I balance a checkbook? Or how do I cook for myself? It was only in OA that I actually started cutting up vegetables. And at first it was annoying, but it's actually it's really fun. And now I like cook vegetables and it's great. Um, but that graduate degree did not help me. 
Uh, and I got a third graduate degree. There's <laughs> a pattern is forming. <laughs> and I got a third master's, and it still wasn't working. Um, and at that point, the food was really bad. I uh, I had a job that was um, I guess it was a I guess it was a high profile job. I was growing up in L.A. and our industry here is, I guess, the entertainment industry, so I always thought high-profile was, like, entertainment, but um, I ended up working for the government, and I got a security clearance, and I was... So that kind of world, and it was really scary, and somebody with a security clearance and, and anxiety, the two were don't really... <laughs> and I was so worried all the time. Someone following me, and... When you actually talk to your supervisor and you say, I think someone's following me, they, they say, yeah, somebody probably is following you. And, was, and I'm just this nice little Jewish boy from L.A., you know. They didn't talk to me about this at my bar mitzvah, <laughs> like how to be followed. So um, I left that world, um, and, but then I found, I, was, I moved back in with my parents, and I had three masters, and I was eating two dinners a night. And eating the second dinner under the covers in bed and um, drinking wine out of a bottle. It was just, I don't know. And in in the moment, it felt like it was helping, you know? I just need more food. Um, So what happened was I had a friend of mine who we used to eat together. And there's only a few people who I let see me eat in a compulsive way, and like, what, binge buddy, I've heard it. <laughs> and so we would order food by the pound, so yeah, how many pounds do you want, three pounds? Eh, just two pounds tonight, okay, so we get two pounds of this and two pounds of that, and we each get the pizza, um, and it was somebody that I actually could share my feelings at the end of the binge, we'd be laying there and we could barely breathe, and... Um, and I could actually talk to him about how this felt and the regret and the shame. And we said, you know, we're, we're doing this again tomorrow, right? And I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're doing it again tomorrow. But there were these moments where I was actually sharing. And then he told me that there was somebody that he knew in Canada in, um, it was Vancouver. I think it was Vancouver. And he said that there was a woman that he knew in Vancouver who went to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And he said that for binging and overeating. And I was like, well, do I have to go to Canada to go to Overeaters Anonymous? I guess. I was like, I'll go. I'll go. Because I just wanted to talk to somebody like I could talk to that friend after the binges, you know. I wanted to be able to talk about it and not hide. It's just so much shame from so many years. And people don't know because when I'm nervous, I laugh. And so people think that I'm fine. But but I laugh a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> A lot. (laughs) So it's nice to finally be able to talk. So I went to my first meeting uh, five years ago. It was in a church basement. It was okay, but there's only three people there, and I just couldn't really identify. But then the first meeting that I went to where I really felt home was the Sunday morning Jocelyn Park meeting in Santa Monica. And it was really nice to find, first of all, the hugs. Oh, my gosh. I still remember Yvonne, who I I don't remember hardly anything anybody said. But I remember at the end, she came up to me, and she gave me a hug. 
And it was a really nice just moment. And she said, like, great job. And she was smiling. And I thought everybody was going to be so bummed out and down. And But everybody was so... And there was laughter. And it felt like that thing with my best friend, the one who we had that binging experience. And I got someone's phone number, and I called them. There was one guy who, who gave me his phone number, and he said, like, call me tomorrow. And I did. And he, I think he was going to a Dodger game, and he was like, I think I remember calling him, and he was there, and I think I remember hearing the stadium, and he still talked to me even though he was at a, a Dodger game. It's just everybody here has been willing to give me their time. Um, which is such a precious commodity. Um, I always feel I feel lonely often. You know, sometimes I spend time with friends and then I go home and I'm lonely. Or when I was in high school, Fridays were the Friday afternoons were the hardest days for me because it was a weekend of not seeing anyone. And I remember other kids were saying how happy they were that the weekend was here because they could play video games or sports. But I would spend the weekend alone. So I really appreciated that people have given me their time here um, and don't talk down to me and actually care about what I'm saying. And then I care about what they're saying, too. It's, it's really great. And so, so I think I want to spend the rest of my time talking about what it's like. And it's really great. Uh, I have a sponsor who I like a lot. He was at the Jocelyn Park meeting one time. And he had this great beard, and it was trimmed, and uh, that, that's all... <laughs> That's all I saw. This guy's got a great beard, and oh, <laughs> it doesn't take much. It does not take much. And I remember asking him if he'd be my sponsor, and he's still my sponsor four years later, and he's so nice, and he's funny and serious, and he's, it's not a father figure, but he's like, it's family. And um, I share with him, and he tells me sometimes that he gets a lot out of my calls. I, I feel bad. I don't want to bother him because he's a busy guy. Um, but when I leave a voice message, I know that um, I'm practicing what he practices too. And he also tells me, it's really funny at the beginning, he said, um, if I don't pick up, uh, you can you can text me if you really want to talk. He said, if I don't, my phone's always on, call me, and if you need to talk to me, call me twice. And if you call a second time right now, I'll pick up. But he, then he said, leave a voice message. I'm probably not going to listen to it. <laughs> but, but leave it for yourself, you know? I'm not, your, I'm not your jailer. I'm not your parole officer. Like, leave the message. And, um, and as hard as it can be sometimes, and I haven't called him today because usually I call him at noon, uh, but I couldn't today. So, so after this meeting, I'm going to call him even though it's been a bit late, and so I'll feel like, oh, I don't want to bother him. But it's just nice to take up space, to take up time in that relationship and at meetings. It's like time, time. That's what I felt when I was eating. I didn't feel so alone. When I was binging, I felt like, oh, time is slowing down. I get to be president. Present. I'm not president. Uh, get, I, yeah, I get quality time, even if it's just with myself and the string cheese or the pizza or the burritos or whatever. So I've got a great sponsor. I've also learned about other 12-step programs, which has been really great. I've gotten a lot out of the money program because I was I used to live down the street um, near nearby here, like Westwood, Brentwood, and I was eating at a few places, 
and I would tell my sponsor what I was eating. And he's going, wow, great job, great job, great job. And then after a few months, he said, you know, I'm curious, how much money are you spending each day eating out in Brentwood for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And I looked at it, and I said, about, you know, 80 to $100 a day. And at the time, I was getting one of those graduate degrees at UCLA. And he goes, you know, have you ever heard of any of the money 12 stuff <laughs> Because I was so vague. You know, I, the same vagueness that I had around food, you know, like effort, just whatever, food. I had that with money. And I guess the whack-a-mole thing is true, you know. Um, so I've gotten a lot out of other fellowships, but it's all the same for me. And I like that my sponsor tells me, he says his higher power is the fellowship. To him, that, that's his higher power. My higher power, because the God thing really made me uncomfortable at first. Uh, I listened to a meeting this morning and someone said, um, you know that expression like, I, I, ha- I have a higher power that I choose to call God, right? I heard someone say at a meeting, I have a higher power that I choose to call frequently. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Um, but I, I didn't want to have... I didn't want to use the God word because it bothered me and I just felt like, you know, just just my upbringing. So at first I thought, okay, Neil Young. I love Neil Young. Maybe that'll work. Didn't work. <laughs> didn't work. Didn't work. Um, and then I actually had something that I wanted to try, but I didn't know if it was allowed. Maybe, maybe me trying to break rules or something. But I thought, well, what if my higher power is future Brian? who cares about me, who is a little bit farther down the road, and future Brian, this is how I thought about it at first, future Brian is never going to try to mess me up. Like, why would he? And that kind of benevolent, kind, thoughtful, and it was so easy for me to connect with future Brian. Um, Like, getting here today. Like, I wanted to leave a little bit later, and I thought, okay, maybe I'll arrive at 5.30, even though Rashad told me, be here at 5.20. And I was like, well, let me just leave a little bit later, a little bit later. But if I actually connected with that higher power, future Brian, it would be like, just get in the car, get in the car, start driving. You know what I mean? So, future Brian. But then I asked my, I asked my sponsor about it because I shared this with a, with a fellow to see, hey, have you ever heard about this? And he said, you know you just made yourself your own higher power, right? <laughs> like, that's that's not... But it felt right to me. It felt so good. And uh, so then I asked my sponsor, and I know my sponsor wouldn't, wouldn't, I know he cares about me, so I really was planning on taking what he said to heart. And I said, you know, this future Brian thing, it works. What do you think? And he said, and he's a lawyer too. So he was like, hmm, let me get back to you about that. And I said, oh, shit. So he called me back and he said, okay, I called my sponsor about this. <laughs> and I think we have a ruling. <laughs> and he said, it's great. It's great. Go for it. Try it. And so that's my higher power. I also have, um, uh, I've heard other people say that they don't really, de- they, don't ha- they feel like they don't have to define their higher power. It's just... And so that's also kind of what I think about a higher power, maybe some kind of connection between all of us. Not Neil Young, for sure. It's not. That did not work. (laughs) But future Brian. 
So future Brian works for me. Um, every morning I wake up and I read page 86 to 88. I used to get down on the ground and do it. Now I do it in bed because I don't want <laughs> to. There's, there's that going. I don't want to get down on the ground. I don't want to do that. So I read it in bed. Maybe someday I'll get down on the ground again. I read the, the little, you know, the white one, the little book. The, I read that one for today, and then I have another one. There's a, it's blue, and it's a little bit wider. Yeah, it, so I read those two each day, and I share that with a, with a fellow from another program, and I take a picture of mine, he takes a picture of his, and we share it. I do journaling. Uh, I have a one page or so of just free writing. I call that mental flossing. So I get all that stuff out. I have... Um, and then I have a page of gratitude list. So I have five things that I love about myself or my life, five things that I'm proud of, and five things that I'm grateful for. Uh, you've made it on my list a few times, by the way. <laughs> and that's something else. It's like practicing giving and receiving love, which my sponsor has told me. He said that he's learned how to give and receive love, giving and receiving love, which is harder than it sounds. Um, so practicing telling people that I love them and um, getting experience with unconditional love. And people don't know what I do for a living. People, it's really nice here that there's, it's not like um, transactional, these relationships here. So I do that. Um, I try to meditate five minutes a day or maybe ten minutes uh, right before I eat any meal. And I've been doing this for about four years. I sing a little song to myself that I'm going to sing for you right now <laughs> every time I eat some food. And I have three meals a day and an optional snack. So every time I eat, I, I mean, I'm, it's fine. I don't mind. I like singing it because it works for me. Before I eat, I say, God, thank you for this food to give me energy, to take right action, to be free. <laughs> That's it. And I just came up with it, and it works for me. And um, why not, right? There you go. Um, I try to make three outreach calls a day. I, uh, I take service positions when I can. My home meeting is on Sunday morning at Jocelyn Park. Um, I used to go to like five or six meetings a week, and everything was so great. And then I went to two or three meetings a week, and everything was great. And then I went to one meeting a week, and things were... Not great. <laughs> but I try not to beat myself up over it. And just being honest, uh, for a while, I, uh, I mean, I think this is allowed. So I guess I'm... Well, there's all these uh, marijuana stores all over L.A. And edibles, right? And my mind is like, it's food, but it's not really food. It's just a gummy. It's just a gummy. And so it's not. A, it's not just a company. It's not. And so that's been, <laughs> it's not like a gummy bear. But in my mind, it's okay. It's just a gummy. It's just a gummy. So that's been interesting. <laughs> I deserve it. You know, it's a gummy. Come on. So it's just nice to be able to laugh about these things uh, and share with people. And for a while, I left it off my food that I. Sometimes I pre-commit my food. Sometimes I tell my sponsor at the end of the day what I eat, what, yeah, what I what I ate. And then sometimes I would leave the gummies off, and then I felt bad about it. And then I sh and then I asked him. I said, "What do you think about this gummy thing?" 
And then he, you know, he asked me really nice questions. He said, well, are you using this to numb out or is this, you know, just, he just asked me questions. I was expecting him to say, Brian, you're a very bad boy. You are a very, very bad boy. For the first few years, I, I thought that I was going to get kicked out of OA. I really thought that. Um, and then, as people have told me that you, you can't get kicked out of OA, I'm trying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's, it's just nice to be part of a group that I can't get kicked out of. Because if there was a way that I could get kicked out, I wouldn't be here. It's just because I don't want to be rejected. Um, I want help. It's like, help me, but don't help me. It's like, look at me, but don't look at me. Listen to me, but don't listen too hard. And it's nice to be able to talk about food, gummies, relationships. It's just nice to be able to talk about life in an honest way. Uh, let me see what else. I, I have a sponsee now, which is exciting, and that's really fun. So we, he texts me every day. We connect once a week on Wednesdays on Zoom. And I... I've had a few sponsees before, and a couple times I felt like I was trying to, you know, micromanage them, or I was trying to fix them, and they did their fourth step, and I was like, it's not long enough. Where's all your, where's your mom? Come on. <laughs> um, I did, that was what I was thinking, but, um, so I'm trying just to be with people and not try to fix people, because I know I don't want to be fixed. Um, maybe it's like, maybe I don't need a cure. I just need a witness, you know? So that's exciting, and I'm glad that I get to support someone else and pay it forward. Um, you know, my life is, is, is really great. Really, really great. The things I've learned here have helped me tremendously. I, I'm a therapist now, and I'm really grateful that the fellows that I know in OA who are therapists, I've asked them. I said, because in... Some people don't know that when you're in graduate school to become a therapist, they don't really teach you what to say when you're doing therapy. They teach you the theories, and they, you read books, and it's all really important, but nobody tells you what to say when you're sitting there and some, a client says something to you. Um, and so I've asked some people here who are therapists and they're in program, and they say, like, it's, it's a lot like two fellows. It's a lot. It's a lot like that and can you can you listen to somebody without trying to change them can you not cross talk and yeah absolutely so I'm so grateful for OA and the other fellowships that I'm a part of because now I can sit with people and I'm a grief therapist so it's really like important for me to not tell people how to feel tell people what to do and I love my job so much I uh yeah, I, I love it. it. It's like I have a life now. I have the kind of happiness that I thought that I would have when I was working in the government. It's the kind of life that I used to dream about when I was binging. I used to dream about, like, Kevin Klein. It's like, I want that, right? The, these fantasies in movies or TV shows, I want that. And then, you know, I can get high off food, of course, and then I can live in a fantasy world. Someday I'll have that. But now I actually have it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a billionaire. It turns out billionaires aren't that happy, so I don't, I don't think I want to be a billionaire. But I have everything I need right now. I have food in my refrigerator. I go shopping once a week. I make my own food. I'm saving lots of money. 
It's great. <laughs> no more eating uh, on San Vicente. <laughs> um, yeah. And now I, I don't just smile when I'm nervous or I laugh when I'm nervous. I laugh when I'm happy and something is genuinely funny. Um, it's like I found myself again. Because uh, I wasn't born this way. Um, but so it's nice. I've been able to find myself in OA. So... If what I said was helpful, I'm glad. If it wasn't, you know, that's okay, too. Um, keep coming back. And that's it. <laughs> Questions, right? Is that how... Oh, repeat the question. No math questions. Thank you so much, Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the question was, how did my relationships and my friendships change, including that example I gave with my best friend who had a similar food behavior? Um, yeah, they've changed so much. First of all, I can actually be present for conversations and relationships. I have a birthday party that I'm going to after this from a friend of mine from high school, and I was a little bit nervous about it, or I still am nervous about it because it's, a, it's his I, 41 or something like that, and uh, it's a beer and cheese birthday party so first of all that's just you know but um but the after over the last four years with OA I feel like I can actually be present when I'm with people and interestingly when I'm present my hands don't sweat as much like I was saying before I get nervous about what if or I get nervous about the future and so being in meetings like the especially like the Jocelyn Park meeting which is nice because we're all like in a circle like a square we look at each other I've gotten to practice granted just an hour at a time once or twice a week and then even with COVID on Zoom I get to practice being present with people and people I mean we all know people share here so honestly Um, and as I said before like I'm a therapist people don't even share that honestly with therapists like the kind of honesty that we all have here it's such a relief and that I can survive honesty in a in a, in a meeting, my own honesty, other people's honest, honesty, and yeah, sometimes I fall into the past or I fall forward in the future, so I'm more present. And I found that there were some friendships that they were looking for the, tw- the 16-year-old Brian. And the 16-year-old Brian was the guy who would buy everybody food, would throw myself down on the ground, you know, to, to performing... I used to do things with food for people's amusement. I behaved in kind of like a clown kind of way. I, you know, I, do you dare me to eat this? And so those behaviors are, are old behaviors, but I found that some people, that's the Brian that they wanted, but that's not me anymore, you know? So those friendships have fallen by the wayside, or I just have more self-respect now, and so it's kind of like, 
no, you're this is this is a forty year old Brian. And so maybe there's been some like course correction, like do that thing, you're like, no. And it's really nice to it's really <laughs> it's really nice to say no, something I've learned in OA. Is to be able to say like, no. I've had some family members who have offered me you, offered me food, matzo balls, gefilte fish. Not well, not gefilte. We don't do gefilte fish anymore. But um, luxury kugel. And when people say, you know, when sometimes people say like, hey, do you want some? No, I'm fine. No, 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 no. And then they push it to you after you've already said no. Before I would just relent, you know, fine. But now I, it's like. No. <laughs> and like, no is a complete sentence. So the self-respect in the context of these friendships has been great. With that best friend, we talk every day. Each of us have, have matured and grown in different ways, but we each have things that we struggle with. Um, like I said before, I, you know, my, my television viewing behavior, yeah, I could blame COVID, but even without COVID, I would, you know. <laughs> or... Sometimes shopping. I, I go to bookstores and I buy books. Never read them. But I just buy, I buy eight books and I live by a rare book, not a rare book, a used bookstore. And I can get 10 books for like 40 bucks. And I'm like, this is, this is great. This is great, you know. Um, so there's this some, you know, whack-a-mole. So I can share that with my friend. And sometimes I call him before I get to the bookstore. And I say, oh, I feel it. I feel it's coming. He goes, why don't we leave that credit card at home? <laughs> so the friends that I can talk to about this stuff are the friendships that I really still cherish. And then grieving those friendships that have ended. It's, it's nice to be able to learn how to break up with people. I had um, a sponsor who is part of this meeting here. And I asked him to be my sponsor. And he said, yeah. And then uh, I, never, I didn't call him for, for like six weeks. And he would call me and never called him back. And then I would start avoiding him at meetings. And one day he came up, he, he either called me or he came up to me and he said, hey man. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, and I felt like I was like a naughty little boy and the teacher was gonna. But he said, hey man, you should be with a sponsor that you, you know, you want to call and you want to be with. And it's okay that it's not me. And I was like, really, it's okay? He goes, yeah, man. And he said, I remember, he said, we'll always be fellows. We'll always be brothers. And it was great. And um, so relationships have really blossomed, that I don't have to be that 16-year-old performing Brian, like, do you like me now? Do you like me now? So I have a lot more self-respect, and I really cherish people more. So, yeah, thanks for your question. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So how am I, how, with, you're right, human connections are really important for me, and so how adopting to the online virtual Zoom world, how have I adjusted so that connections are still important to me? Yeah, for a while I had a, a text message chain going for nighttime eating, and it was really cool, like there was 10 of us, and I think there was three different threads, so 10, 10, and 10, 
and people in this fellowship, and anybody could say anything they wanted, and it, but it was specifically for those of us who struggle when the sun goes down. You know, I feel like I can have a pretty good handle on things for breakfast and sometimes lunch, but then when the sun goes down, it really gets hard. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. So the, that's something that I've tried that worked. Um, I found myself texting more. Before COVID, I thought texting is not an appropriate or so, but it's, it's, it's nice, even like emojis. Um, oh, here's something else that I found that's been really helpful is leaving voicemails. And in the voicemail, I actually share what is going on with me and versus the, the kind of people pleasing, like I used to leave voicemails and the voicemail was only about the other person. You know, I hope you're having a good day. I hope your Saturday's nice. I hope you're staying hydrated. And I care about that stuff. But then I realized, like, well, what about Brian? It was that same old kind of, you know? So now I say, hey, you know, I'm just calling, making an outreach call, taking a walk, and I'm a little scared about this thing later on. And, and you know, of course, I, I do say something about them because I say, hey, thanks, I hope you're... Sometimes I... <laughs> Like, and if you're still listening to the end of this, you know. <laughs> so that's been nice. And I've also started listening to other people's voicemails fully. There's certain people that I call, that call me, and I see their name, and I'm like, oh, shit, you know. Uh, <laughs> and nobody has ever been mean to me here. Nobody's ever asked me for anything. Nobody's ever, you know, it's... But certain people, for some reason, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a problem, voicemail. Somebody's going to, some, this is going to be a problem. And then I would just listen to a few seconds of it, and then I would delete it, you know? Uh, but the other night, I listened to three fellow voicemails, and I listened to the entire things. And it was so nice. It was so nice. And one of them said something that really helped me. And it's not that advice-giving. It wasn't like, hey, Brian, I've been thinking about your mom, and this is what I think you should say. No, it was just like they were talking through their life. They were thinking out loud, feeling out loud. Maybe they had talked themselves out of a knot or something, or at least loosened the knot. And then I texted them, and I said, I just listened to your voicemail. It was awesome. <laughs> I just texted it to them. So these connections have helped me so much. Um, I was worried that without the hugs and the hand-holding, I don't know if I'm going to hold hands when we finish here today, but I was worried that I wouldn't be able to have this love without the in-person, but I think it still worked. It's been working for me. So, uh, five minutes. <laughs> Best advice? That's a, that's a great question. Oh, yes. Best advice. <laughs> what is my best best for a newcomer? For a newcomer. Such a good question. Yeah, I keep coming back. Um and uh this for me has been a place where I can be serious and silly. And I don't know if everybody is serious and so I think we all have these parts inside us, I think. So if it if it feels silly at times, then go with it. Some of the higher power um, activities or writings that I did, it felt silly at times. And I thought, this is, this is not adult. This is not like a grown-up thing I'm doing. I need to be an adult. Um, and there were times where I was 
sharing my fourth step and I was like reading stuff and then at the end my sponsor after I finished my list and she said great job and she goes did you leave every, anything off your list <laughs> is there anything that you didn't put on there and there was and I left it off on purpose because I didn't want her to know that thing right and I told her and I was crying and she said to me she said two things she said number one said, yeah, that happened to me too when I was a little girl. And that blew my mind. It was a very serious conversation too, you know. She goes, that happened to me when I was young. And then she said, I love you more now than I have ever loved you, now that you've shared that. And so these moments that are so serious and so poignant, and then these times where we're at a meeting and somebody says something, or there's moments of levity, and that it's all contained here. Because I was anxious when I was younger because sometimes I felt like I couldn't be serious or I shouldn't be silly or people couldn't, people wouldn't accept me with both of those polarities. So it might be somewhat unconventional advice, but for me, the serious, the silly, the highs and the lows that this program, these people, these people here, All of it is allowable, acceptable, natural, human, and it's really, really great. And and make calls. I think that's also really... It's just nice to make calls. It's really nice to make calls. And some days the phone gets heavy. And sometimes I just make outreach calls to talk about how heavy the phone is. I just talk... I make outreach calls and I just talk about making outreach calls. Ugh! I really didn't want to call you. I really didn't want to call you. And every person I say that to, they say, oh my God, me too. I so didn't want to answer this call right now. <laughs> but I'm so glad I did. So um, so I hope that I hope that was helpful. Any other? Thank you.